The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by a freelance social commentator who lists their favourite movie as American Psycho and favourite TV show as Yellowstone. Welcome back to the show. That is a giant drink bottle, Blake Robinson. you got to stay hydrated, Jamie. As a as a jug. Especially in this ghastly heat we've been served up early in spring. Yeah, this is very warm. But yeah, that's a that's a giant kettle of water. Yeah, well you've welcomed me back to the show and um it feels like forever between drinks, has it? I don't know. Well what it's time's time's flown. What was Oppenheimer our last? Uh I think so. Um and you know what I was just thinking today? On Oppenheimer. We've been blessed, graced within a couple of months, let alone in the same year, but within a couple of months of a new Christopher Nolan film and a new Martin Scorsese film. Has it dawned on you that it's, that's like a rare occurrence? Yeah, the big big directors are out. It's like those things that happen with like the moon and the sun and the earth. Or what do they call them? Like, are they retrogrades or something? Like <laughs> eclipses? Like an eclipse, yeah. We've been dealt a uh, goated director eclipse. Yeah. This year? Yeah, some big movies this year. Can you think of any others? Like, it doesn't get much bigger than Chris Nolan and Martin Scorsese, does it? Is there a Tarantino coming this year as well? It won't be this year. It'll be lucky if it's even next year, but there is a Tarantino coming. Oh, we could argue we got, what, four Wes Anderson films as well. Yeah, the short films. Greta Gerwig, she doesn't do a lot. Yeah, Greta's uh, etching herself into greatness as well. It's been a year. They're like the main ones I can think of. I can't think of any. We just need a hope. It's not going to dry up next year <laughs> when the, the old strikes start rearing their little head. Oh, Guy Ritchie had the Covenant. True. So there's been a there's been a few big ones this year and good year for movies. We've been blessed. It's been a good year. Probably the last good year for movies for a while. <laughs> oh no, that's why we just gotta we're gonna take it by the balls and just appreciate it. Yeah, especially considering as the actors' strike still going. The writers are back. Actors are still going. Because apparently 2% of streaming revenue is too much. Yeah, back on, um, so you said writers are back. I did notice, I only spoke about it the other day, the uh, talk shows are back. They are coming back. Yep. Yeah, all the writers are back, back in the rooms, but actors are still a no-go. So can't make a movie without an actor. Well, depends who you ask. Yeah, ask a studio exec and they'll say, yeah, we can. We'll just AI everyone. Yeah. Yeah, Netflix will tell you they can. <laughs> So, yes, you can make movies without actors. So, realistically, all you need is writers, just heaps of them. Yeah, and a few tech wizards. But that's a scary reality. Yeah, not going to be great movies. It's like Woolworths only going, only having self-serve checkouts. That's what, how I see it. <laughs> yeah, it gets the job done, but it's not the most efficient or best. Gets the job done. On the strike note, Pario stands in solidarity and support of SAG-AFTRA in their fight for better working conditions. Our publication has always been focused on the creative brilliance of these individuals rather than on the business of film and TV. As such, we will continue to highlight their creative talents during this time so that their contributions are not overlooked. This week, 
We're heading into the Oklahoma oil fields to review Martin Scorsese's latest epic, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, It's an American epic Western crime drama directed and produced by Martin Scorsese, who co-wrote the screenplay alongside Eric Roth, basing it on a 2017 book of the same name by David Gran. Focused on the members of the Osage tribe in northeastern Oklahoma after there is a bunch of murders under mysterious circumstances in the 1920s, which sparks a major investigation by the Bureau of Investigations, which would later go on to become the FBI. And yeah, really interesting. Mm. I was shocked that this is kind of all sort of based on true like incidents and like based on based on a true story, but not like a direct true story, more just a collection of events that happened over a number of years. It honestly felt like, touching back on Tarantino, it did feel like a Tarantino story, like a made-up Tarantino story. It was very much like the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where it was it was a fictional story, but lots of, lots of real events influenced it. I, know, I didn't feel like a Scorsese film, I'll say that first and foremost. But what made me keep thinking of the Tarantino Fantasyland is Leonardo's character in this reminded me horrifically of Rick Dalton from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his Western character. I don't know. It was so distracting because <laughs> he's like, he's adopted the same sort of accent and voice as well as he did in that. And I was, I was just so many scenes. I just kept thinking back to scenes in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like even the whole set, like the, the town, is just that old Western town is almost like like for like of the Western town. And I was like, oh, but um, it was a very, very fun Scorsese film. I'll say that. Yeah, I think the thing that was most distracting for me was Leo's constant, like, sour, frowny face. But apart from that, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> Didn't like it? No, he was just, like, constantly, like, like that's really annoying, <laughs> Leo. Can you just, like, pull a normal face? Like, please? Like you said, it's, uh, it's hard to believe it's based on real events because it was there was a lot of LOL in it. And so outlandish, like. That's what I mean. That's why it keeps giving Tarantino vibes. It was outlandish. It was very comical. It was very silly, very, very silly. To, to think that they could get away with all of the stuff they were doing, it's like, no. Yeah, when you read about what it's actually the real story and, and what it's based on, and I don't even think it was a lot of this after reading about the real life story, I don't think a lot of this, what was in the movie was like far-fetched. Oh, no, like it definitely, it was embellished, but it was not outlandishly embellished. Like it wasn't comic, comically silly or outrageous. Like it was like, oh yeah, I guess people would blow up a house. Maybe, maybe not to the extent that they do in this movie, but they would blow up a house. Yeah, that was crazy. And on that note, we've like it is like a a murder crime scene investigation film. Even though you sort of know who did everything, like it still keeps you guessing, and it still sort of leads you like, oh, hang on, maybe maybe it was him, or maybe it was there, maybe he didn't actually do it. So I did like that. It was like a very good little murder mystery film at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it like mixed a a lot of genres. Like it started off as this sort of Western romance tale. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be like, oh yeah, they're striking it rich. Like they're going to randomly find another oil field then their family's going to be loaded. And that's kind of what it was, but then it transforms into this like mystery, murder mystery, like who's involved, what's involved, who's the one leading this whole ring like how how are they going to come to their downfall and Mm -hmm. ultimately their downfall is a pretty ridiculous way to get caught out yeah so yeah i didn't know i had no idea where what way and even like when it ended i still had no sort of idea what the original direction of the film was meant to be because it just kept jumping around everywhere but it worked perfectly like it wasn't ridiculous like 
every angle they came at it from just fitted in perfectly. Like you said, there was love, there was loss, there was comedy, there was a lot of like grim, stark reality of those times. Some seriously graphic gore moments. Yes, there was. <laughs> yeah, a couple of moments I was like, oh. We should touch to this was a solid three and a half hour film. Yeah, clocks in at three hours and 26 minutes. I think that's Scorsese's longest movie, if I can recall properly. Did he do The Irishman? Uh, yes, so this is his second longest movie behind The Irishman. The Irishman was three hours and 29 minutes. Oh, ghastly, ghastly length. And then, yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon at three hours, 26. Wolf of Wall Street at three hours. He loves a over three-hour movie. Is Wolf of Wall Street three hours? Yep. Jeez, the amount of times I've seen that and it's a three-hour yeah. film. And it doesn't Gosh. feel like three hours. This one definitely feels like three oh, and a half hours. Yeah, it did, but as it kept going on, I felt like it. this film could have just went on longer and longer. This could have easily been cut up into like a series. Easy. There was so much to it. I personally think they needed to get someone in to sort of rein Scorsese in a bit and like, here's an editor. They're going to cut this down to a reasonable length and you're just going to deal with it because this is outrageously long for what it is. And the way that it tells the story, like it, you mentioned, like it jumps all over the place. There's a lot of stuff in it that could have done without. It feels like there's no momentum to this movie. You're, you're going one direction and then all of a sudden it jumps time periods or jumps somewhere else and goes back in a different way. And you're like, there is a lot of pointless dialogue. I felt like constantly off kilter. Like I never felt like I was getting into it properly. I was thinking about this today actually and for a three and a half hour film and like having like the FBI or the Federal Bureau of Investigation, it's early days, be involved and they only like lightly, they only just touched on that. Like I felt if they're going to make this a three and a half hour film and have the freshly uh, put together FBI, I think they should have had more information about that and like really focused on that more because all they had was like the Jesse Plemons character come in mm-hmm. with his like sort of troops from the big smoke and sort of lay down their, their charge. I just thought, well, if you're going to make it this movie this long and you're going to have it during that time and have it as such a big moment in history for the FBI, shouldn't you have more like, like Edward J. Hoover? I thought they would have, like, so he would have got a bit of a run in this. Yeah, they mention him and that's about as far as it goes and then, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was almost just a name drop. And I'm like, well, if you're going to have anchor it so heavily around the, like the FBI and the history, like sort of maybe have a bit more about it. Yeah, because like this is kind of one of the one of the earliest investigations that kind of made the FBI a thing. and It was one of the first, yeah. Like if this was going to be sort of an FBI origin story, it probably needed to be more, whereas like the way it is, the Bureau of Investigation, they come in and they wrap up. They're in it for like, what, 40 minutes towards the end of the movie and they wrap up the whole thing seemingly in a few days. It was very rushed, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was a bit strange or a bit underdone if I was going to fault it. Yeah. So after watching it, I did some research on like what it was all inspired by. And yeah, we mentioned based on a series of real unsolved murders known as The Reign of Terror, which lasted from 1921 to 1926, where somewhere between 60 and hundreds of wealthy, full-blood Osage Indians were killed basically to get their get their claim at the native land rights for the oil money that was coming in. It's such a it's like it's it's very, very grim and like serious thing that happened, but it, that 
but it was so funny seeing like all these very rich like Indians and they're just treating like the whites as like the slaves, so to speak, or the second class city. It's, I couldn't, oh man, I couldn't help but chuckle. I was like, this is just a, a role reversal. <laughs> I was like, this is funny. Then, that was a cool way of like exploring like the racism dynamic without it like. Oh yeah, they completely flipped it, flipped the script. It was great. Oh, it was just a lot of those like chuckles and laughs and giggles that like, oh no, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but this is yep. pretty funny. Yeah, pretty, pretty crazy how they did it all. Hey, so like the whites planned to marry these Indian girls who had the heir to the to the land, the heiresses to the land. Then they just slowly kill them off. Stark reality. <laughs> Starting as this like sweet romance between uh, Leo's character and Lily Gladstone's character, and then quickly develops into this like dark, nefarious sort of criminal scheme with racism elements, murder, almost genocidal levels of murder, poisoning, and mobsters. I was about to mention that it's they all get sick and they all get these diseases. What a lot of them had diabetes, and what it was only the Indian women that had diabetes and these terminal illnesses. Like to be fair. Diabetes was pretty rampant in that time because they were used to eating lots of like native like food, like they'd eat, eat grains and plants and lots of like native like bush tucker essentially, and they'd occasionally get a bit of meat. But yeah, like when the white man came in and sort of propagated throughout the West, there was lots of like breads and like refined grains and sweets and stuff like that. And then that's when like a lot of the native Americans developed diabetes so they were struggling with that and yeah. like they touch on that where she she's sort of constantly like sneaking sweets because it's like a treat for her but then like they're like you need to not yeah. eat like a white person like your body is not built to eat like a white person mm. they sort of take advantage of that where they start poisoning her insulin which is pretty fucked up yeah that was um you wanted to be on leo's side this whole movie didn't you that his character but then when it when he gets arrested and information starts coming out about what he actually did to his wife that he was supposed to love, he's like, oh, you piece of shit. Was he, like, a bit slow, though? Was he, like, a little bit mentally deficient? Oh, I think from maybe, like, war damages. He just goes along with everything and, like, oh, yeah, put this stuff in, in her insulin. And it's, like, clearly making her sick. And he's just like, oh, I got to keep putting it in there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can let him get away with it off those <laughs> grounds. <laughs> I'm not letting him get away with it, but like. <laughs> no, I know, but no, I know what you're saying. Like he, his character definitely is a bit slow and blase and like, yes, sir, I'll do that. From the outset, the whole conspiracy that, that they're putting together, he just goes along with everything. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to marry this girl. I'm going to do this. I'm going to work for these people. Oh, yeah, you want me to go get this person to do this murder? He's just. Is it his blood uncle, uh, Rhea, Robert De Niro's character, Bill Hale? Is that his blood uncle? He just calls him uncle. I think he just calls him uncle. I think he's like, because he's like a very controlling sort of man and character. And I think everyone's just grown up to listen to him and he's got a lot of respect in the community. So whatever he says goes, so to speak. Yeah. So when old Leo comes back from war with no other options, he sort of says, yes, sir, I'll do that. Whatever you say, sir. Ends up almost killing his wife. Like, Jesus Christ. And it takes like the death of his youngest child to be like, okay, this is wrong. I need to sort this out. What did she die of? Hooping cough or something? Yeah, hooping cough. Just pretty full on. Um, back on Jesse Plemons, I something come across my desk today. He was scheduled to appear in Jordan Peele's Nope a few 
film. Mm-hmm. But he had to pull out of it because it was filming at the same time as Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, like that's that's another director we got recently, Jordan Peele. He's he's doing everything. Jesse Plemons, he's a he's the man. I rate him. I love his characters. Jordan Peele's kind of fallen off for me. Same. From the heights of Get Out to oh the the, the highest of highs. Nope was better than like the Candyman and the one before that Us, but it's still n- nothing will get. Nothing will get up, get out levels. Get out is elite. I still go back and watch that. It is unbelievable. Yeah, but yeah, like you said, he dropped off hard. I don't know what happened. I have a rough idea. Maybe he got a bit too political in his films and he sort of lost the idea. Yeah, and I think people go in expecting that now. Like all of us went in to get out expecting just like a horror movie and then it like spun it and like, oh, here's this like social commentary element to me. Like, oh shit, this is actually really cool. Whereas- all of the new ones, you pick it up like straight away. Like, okay, this one is focusing on this aspect of society, and it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's that's just not like it doesn't interest me at all. But like, but at the same time, that's exactly what Get Out was. Like, but I don't know, it worked. Like, it wasn't too in your face. Yeah, and it came as a shock. Like, we weren't expecting that when we went into it. <laughs> and it's yeah, and it's not obvious. Like, oh, this is it's sort of like what we just mentioned in this. Like, the Indians are the like the rich ones, and they're like slaving around for the second class whites that's almost like what get out was it but you could enjoy it it was like a cool like interesting side of it like it came from a funny take you know we're not here to talk about that we mentioned the like long running time uh, and during during a press conference at Cannes this year scorsese said he described the movie as it's not a whodunit it's a who didn't do it and i thought that's the best quote for this movie like it's that's 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 it summed up in one sentence uh Everyone's got blood on their hands. Yeah, everyone was involved. It was fucked. Uh, fun fact, I was actually in Cannes this year, the day this premiered. Should have went. We could have done this episode months ago. I wanted I, <laughs> I wanted to go to a movie because what else? Um, the Idol, that show that got cancelled, was it Lily Rose Depp, Depp and The Weeknd? Oh, yeah, that was terrible, wasn't it? That premiered while I was there. Uh, the day I got there, Asteroid City, Will Anderson, that premiered. There's some heavy hitters while I was there. But, yeah, um, you can't get tears for any of those people. There's people around the streets everywhere. Wes Anderson, not Will. There's a big difference there. What did I say, Will? Will Anderson versus Wes Anderson, two very different people. Yeah, they are very different people. Yeah, I don't think you can just like rock up to a Cannes film premiere though, can you? No, nah, like I said, there was there was people like, almost like buskers, like dressed in tuxedos, ready to go with signs looking for tickets to Asteroid City, like everywhere. Everyone's just busking for tickets. Or like seat seat filler type deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's like all invite only. I don't think you just like rock up to those ones. But it was cool. You could still like stand outside and like see all the red carpets and that. So it was cool. Yeah, nice. It's probably the biggest security and police operation I've ever witnessed in my life. I, like I said, when I was there, every single police officer in France was in Cannes. That, that makes sense. <laughs> it was unbelievable. There's a lot of very high profile people that need to be. Um, speaking of Scorsese, bit of a cameo. What a weird ass cameo that was too. I um, what did you think of that ending? I did not like it. See, I loved it. Oh god, I thought it took away the overall impact of the whole movie. Um, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. It did. It made it like strangely comedic at the end, with the sort of radio play aspect. Where I think if they took away all of the like sound effect goofiness, it would have been fine. But it was like that element just made it silly, and I was like. This was not a silly movie. I know this is a, this is like probably going to be a disrespectful comparison, but it's this is what made me think of like in Barbie, 
how they random in random moments they had like a narrator or the director mm-hmm. quickly cut in for a moment and it just sort of like broke everything up and like oh it took like all the seriousness if you will out of it and it just made it a bit tacky that's that is how i seen this ending it just made it took away from everything all the greatness you just watched then you just came like oh well nothing that wasn't maybe we we're just watching a movie of a movie yeah like we just went from this like three hour epic that was like constantly felt oppressive and like yeah just stepping on you like making you try and feel depressed more and more yeah, and then it's made a joke out of it. And it just gets more and more oppressive as it goes on. And then at the end, it's like, oh, yeah, here's just this silly, like, radio play joke at the end. It's like, oh, that just took away the whole impact of the movie. It'd be like Oppenheimer ending with, like, a, a nuclear bomb joke. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, well, from an entertainment perspective, I enjoyed it. It was cool. But, yeah, like you said, it took away a lot from the movie. But it was cool anyway. I didn't mind it. Um, so, yeah, basically, instead of having the credits and, like, Blah, blah, blah. Bill Hale got trial for murder and died in prison in this, like all that sort of stuff, like a wrap up, if you will. They sort of did it in a, a storytelling way, a live storytelling, which I I guess I didn't really realize or I did, but that's how I guess people would have went to the theater back in the day before movies and uh, listened to like a story be told. Yeah, well, they used to, yeah, listen, listen to radio plays, like turn the radio on of a night and listen to a radio play. But like, I did like that it, it brought that whole sort of like, oh, here's a black screen with the, the wrap-up explanation and brought that to life. I just didn't like the way they brought that to life. Yeah. Uh, there was oohs and there was ahs and murmurs when uh, Scorsese appeared. That, But it instantly made me think, like I always think like when a director appears in his own film, like, oh, what other films has he done this in? Does he do this all the time? And have I missed little Easter eggs in previous films? I don't know. Can you think of any other? It's like the Stan Lee cameos in all the Marvel movies until he passed away. Yeah, and Tarantino's in more than half of his own films as well. I think he's in nearly every movie. Yeah, probably all of them, yeah. I don't know. Now I'm just now I want to go back and set, we'll see what Scorsese is in any other films. I had a feeling he could be in Shutter Island. I think, yeah, I think he might be one of those directors that does it in a, a bunch of movies as well, like where he just... I have a feeling he's in Shutter Island, but yeah. This, I think this one was like the most prominent of the ones that he's done. Like normally he'd be like a background sure. or a side character, whereas this one he's like... Good actor too, good actor. Fun fact about the about Scorsese, I was creating the graphics. One of the photos that's available for the movie is Scorsese sitting in the church with Lily Gladstone, and they're like obviously having a discussion about something. So I made the graphic of it. I was showing Karina, and she goes, oh, "I don't really like the one with the the girl and the old guy." And I was like, "Um, oh, the, the old, old guy, guy. like Martin Scorsese, like the director, <laughs> the historic director." And she's like, "Shut up." <laughs> oh no kids these days what did you think of the cinematography yeah i don't know like i couldn't pinpoint it as a scorsese film if you if that's the answer you're looking for but um yeah i thought it was i thought it was great i thought it was very well done well were you expecting more or expecting less no i thought it was like beautiful cinematography particularly like the more the more quiet moments where they would just show like here's the vast landscape or here's lily gladstone's character just like out in the the plains like there was praying. a lot of close-ups like all of those like really yeah. wide angle shots of like here's how big Oklahoma and stuff is. Or like this is these are beautiful shots. And I wonder if this was is this in IMAX? Because those those shots would be epic in an IMAX cinema. Or the Las Vegas sphere. Max. Yeah. <laughs> Everything now I'm just like, ooh, wonder if that would be on in the sphere. Yeah, some of that footage from that sphere is insane. That thing's nuts, bro. Have you seen the the uh, the TikTok of the guy playing golf with the sphere in the background? 
Yeah, the, that's like the face. It's so good. And it just like, like, ooh, it like mocks him. Like, oh, that's, that's embarrassing. That thing's insane though. They were building that last time I was there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you two are doing a residency there now. Wild. There's rumors of Harry Styles. Harry Styles playing there next year for a residency. This is so good. Who would you, who would you, what would you, like, dream, like, dream movie to watch there and dream artist to see there? Oh, a movie, you'd have to go with something like Interstellar or Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah, I'm back on Nolan for Dark Knight Rises. I just, I just, everything comes back to that opening, the opening scene with Bane in that, in that plane when it's falling. Yeah. Probably, it's honestly one of the most epic movie scenes of all time. Musical acts would be cool there. Maybe Underworld or something. Oh, yeah, Underworld for sure. Or like Prodigy, that'd be cool. Pro- yeah, something like, someone like, yeah, Prodigy or something would be pretty insane. Star Skrillex or like Diplo. I'm surprised I get Chester. He plays in Vegas every other yeah. night. He'd be he'd, he'd be there soon. Throw it out there. T Swizzle. Taylor Taylor Swift in there would be pretty sick. Uh Eras Eras to a movie this Sunday. This would be exciting for me. Oh, you you're going to see it? I'm going, yep. Very nice. Anyway, I was gonna say about uh cameos in The Killers of the Flower Moon. What have we had? Unexpected ones, Jesse Plemons, Martin Scorsese. I think a big one they got people Owen and Aaron, Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the whale? Ah uh, yes, and I was just about to say, ah uh, his character's obviously. I'm, I, I made me think like what other Brendan Fraser films are in the past, like the Mummy. Everything, everything now just seems like his character is going to be the whale, pretty much, because he's still got a bit of heftiness about him in this. And um, I think just <laughs> the way he spoke and the way his character is, um, it just made me think about the whale. Maybe it's like he just is the whale from now on. Yeah, I think he's going to get sort of these more serious roles now, where he's like, yeah, an attorney or someone. Big like CEO businessman. Uh, anyway, what did you th- what did you think of his inclusion? I thought he was pretty decent. Like he didn't have a huge role. Um, John Lithgow as the prosecutor was. I thought he he stole the show in the the court scenes. Who that? The bald guy from Third Rock from the Sun. I thought he his his scenes were a bit bit stronger for me. Doesn't ring a bell. Did you know Brendan Fraser was in this? I didn't know John Lithgow or Brendan Fraser was in this. I knew Jesse Plemons. Oh, Jesse I knew Plemons. he was in it. Yeah, oh, just because I've seen, like, he's in, like, either a tr- an early trailer I saw or, like, some sort of promotional. Ah, uh, see, I didn't watch the trailer for this. I didn't watch the trailer for this, so it was one of their movies. I think I might have watched the first one and then was like, yeah, I'm in. I've seen enough. Get it out yeah, of my pretty much. I've seen enough. Like, that's enough. No spoilers. Trailers are notorious for a spoiler these days. Anyway, who, who else we got in here? Rob De Niro, obviously. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, the rest were all sort of bit parts. Um, who did you think was the strongest performance in this? I, I I throw this around so much lately, this term, and the word career-defining. I, I don't know, man. Robert De Niro was red on in this. He nailed that. As far as as far as Oscar buzz, Oscar buzz goes, I think Robert De Niro was the standout from this film. Yeah, I just I think my one drawback from that is he kind of played the. For me, he was giving off dad from Meet the Fockers. Meet the parents vibes. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it's just like, that's just who he is. I think that every movie I'll see him in, I think the same though. I thought uh, Lily Gladstone as Molly Burkhart was incredible as well. Like, yeah, she was, she was brilliant. That's that's a career-defining role for her because I don't know if she's been in much before. Like, I think she's we're going to see her a lot more. And I just think Leonardo... DiCaprio is just plateaued into greatness now. Like he he'll never do anything better. And I don't think he can really do worse. Like he was tremendous in this. But I just think for a few years now, he has just hit that peak 
and he's just going to stay at that peak. Like everything he does, great. He's just the greatest of all time. There's no debate about it. Yeah, he's got himself at a really difficult point now, though. Like everyone expects, everyone expects greatness from him every time he like is trotted out in a movie. Like he doesn't do a lot, so when he does come out, everyone's like, "Okay, this is going to be great." And like, it's hard to live up to that expectation. And like, for him to get back up into like best actor territory, like how? How is he going to do that? Because everyone goes in there expecting an awesome performance. They get an awesome performance and then they're like, hey, it was fine. It's like, yeah, but it was, it was Leo fine. Everyone else is fine. Is like different levels. He still only won that one Oscar A for The Revenant. Yeah, one best actor. Mental. It's hard to get my head around. He didn't even win one for Wolf of Wall Street, hey? Which he should have because he was. That was probably off the top of my head. That's probably his best performance ever. I, yeah, I think that was better than The Revenant. I think The Revenant won because it was such a such a hard role to do with very few like lines of dialogue to still get the character across. Oh, the acting. He did the acting for The Revenant. Unbelievable. Yeah, forget the lines. He could have done that whole movie without a single line, but the acting was unreal. Yeah, which I think is why he won it. I, I won't say it was a consolation prize, but it was, it was definitely well-deserved. But he, was, he got robbed for years. I mean, is this up? This is up against Oppenheimer, Barbie as well, hey, for best picture this season? Uh, yeah, it will be, I imagine. Where do you rate it against those two? I personally think this is above Oppenheimer. <gasps> no. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not, not even close for me. Huge. Oppen- Oppenheimer, like, made me feel things. I left that cinema and was like, I, I feel horrible right now. Yeah. This one I kind of walked out being like, Ah, oh, that last scene annoyed me, which is not what you should be doing when you walk out of a three-hour movie. Yeah, look, there's not much in it, but I enjoyed Killers of the Flower Moon more than Oppenheimer, as far as enjoyment goes. I didn't hate Oppenheimer. It was great, but as far as like, entertainment goes, I was more entertained by Killers of the Flower Moon. You are a madman. But I'm not like a judge. I don't judge this stuff for awards, and I don't, I'm not going to pull it apart. But as far as entertainment goes... Kills of the flower members for me. Oh, if you if you want to add Barbie in there, Barbie blows them all out of the water. Okay, we'll revisit this once the Oscars are done. <laughs> if I'm right, we'll do a we'll do a live stream of the Oscars and get back. We have to do up. like a pizza or a chicken wing bed or something. Like the winner has to buy chicken wings. <laughs> yeah, we'll do something. Yeah, mate. I'm actually wonder what the odds are. And then yeah, a couple of the other little trivia parts. This is the seventh collaboration between Scorsese and DiCaprio, which is pretty nuts. And the 11th time the Scorsese and De Niro have worked together, which is even more wild. 11? Yep. Shit. I can't even, I don't know if I could name 11 De Niro films or 11 Scorsese films. I could probably do 11 De Niro films. What's all 11 that we're both in, that both did together? Raging Bull, The Irishman, Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, King of Comedy. Oh, Taxi Driver. Cape Fear, Casino. Casino. The Last Temptation of Christ, Shark Tale, and The Joker. Hectic. That would have been the last movie he was in, hey? The Joker, De Niro? Uh, no, don't think so. That was a bit of a cameo role too, eh? The Joker for De Niro? Uh, yeah, towards the end. Killers of the Flower Moon was in Savage Salvation, which looks terrible. Amsterdam, he's in Amsterdam. Ah, uh, geez, I still haven't seen that. The War with Grandpa, Irishman, Joker. Was Irishman after the Joker? Uh, Irishman was, bef- yes, after the Joker. Interesting. Both 2019, so they're both the same year. But So, yeah, like it's it's another one of those, like, Tarantino things where, like, he has his stable of actors and just rotates them in and out in whatever roles he sees fit for them and 
looks like it's basically, if it's going to be a Scorsese movie, there's going to be Leo and De Niro almost guaranteed to be in it. Yeah, I'm all for it. Keep them coming. And then in terms of budgets, they spent $200 million on this movie, making it the most expensive biographical film ever made, surpassing The Irishman, which cost $159 million. And it's the most expensive US R-rated film ever, surpassing Matrix Revolutions at $190 million. Wow, that's an interesting one. I was actually thinking too, like, I wonder what the popularity of this is going to be like. Like, yeah, it was released at a good time away from Barbenheimer. Like, are people going to sort of flock to see this because there's not really a whole lot else on? Like, it just feels like, for me, it's a bit of a flat, like, dead time at the moment. Like, I don't I just don't know. I don't, I don't think this is going to go too well for some reason. I think the biggest issue this one is going to have in terms of, like, sort of raking in some revenue from the box office is the fact that it's been heavily promoted on Apple TV. Like this is an Apple TV movie. It's coming to Apple TV plus soon. And I think people are going to see that and be like, "Eh, I'll just wait, especially at three and a half hours. I think a lot of people are going to be like, I'll just wait and watch it at home. And then I can pause it. I can go to the bathroom. Like I don't have to be like, I don't have to be like Blake and run to the bathroom four times in one movie. (laughs) I know, right? But you know another part of uh, that with long movies, and I found this is why I need to rewatch The Irishman. I still haven't got back and around to it because the first time I did, I just scrolled on my phone because I just got bored. Like I feel as though long movies, you need to watch them in the cinema because you're there and you're like you're present and you can pay attention. Mm-hmm. Long, like otherwise, long movies, you just whether it, how it doesn't matter how interesting it is, like you lose attention no matter what. There's always something going on. And as soon as you snap out of it and that keeps happening, you're gone. Yeah. So I think, but like I just said, like I've noticed people don't like going to the movies anymore. Yeah, it's got to be. A- for so many reasons, for so many reasons. But I think it's great. I love an excuse to go to the movies. For a movie to get you to go to like the cinemas now, it has to be like really compelling. It has to be a Barbie or an Oppenheimer. Oh, don't get, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of movies and I'm like, oh, I, just, I, I want to see, but I'm like, oh, I'll just wait for that to come out in streaming. And I think I think this one's going to have that issue where people already know it's coming to Apple soon. They're like, eh, it might only be a couple of weeks. I might as well just wait. It's not like it's going to be six months down the line. People need to get out of the house and go to the movies. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rush to go and see this one. Movies. Pay the wages of the poor girl scooping your popcorn. Get out of the freaking house. Go to the movies. I love going to the movies. Am I the only one that finds it weird that they haven't like done self serve popcorn yet? Although I think the Hoyts, I think the Hoyts Entertainment Quarter does that. Bro, I think COVID had other ideas for that ever happening. Do they even do the self-serve lollies anymore at like the Shaw Harbour cinemas? I think they do. Well, I'll let you know because I'm going there to watch the Taylor Swift there movie you go, you'll on find Sunday out. for the first time in since I was a kid going to Shaw Harbour. I wouldn't be in a massive rush to go and see this in the cinema, especially knowing it's going to be on my Apple TV Plus subscription in maybe two weeks. Yeah, I, 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 on that note, I don't think it will last long in the movies. No, I, and I think... I think the only reason they've done that is to be eligible for Oscars. Although I think they changed those rules. I don't know. Yeah. Um, do you, th- back on the Barbenheimer situation, do you think the huge success of that, and it is fairly recent, that will have any effect on this, or the popularity of this? Or not really? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't see this one having like super broad appeal. Like, yes, it's a Scorsese movie. If you're a massive Scorsese fan, you'll go and see it. But, yeah, it doesn't like scream general public like let's go and watch this. Like the Irishman had that same issue. It was kind of like oh for sure, but wasn't that straight to Netflix? 
yeah, I think it had a, a limited cinema run as well. But yeah, I think it's again like this: the Scorsese three-hour epics are very much a am I a Scorsese hardcore loyalist? Am I going to go see it? If not, I'll just wait till streaming. And I think a lot of people will do that with this. <sighs> yeah, harsh words, Jamie. Harsh words. I enjoyed the movie. I still gave it four out of five because of how well it was produced. But yeah, that that final scene really dragged it down. The stop start jumpiness of the storytelling dragged it and yeah i just i can't recommend like running to a cinema to see it fun fact at the beach today i saw a bloke reading the original novel <laughs> killers of the flower moon wow impressive i felt like felt like bragging to him that i've seen it two weeks before he's gonna be able to <laughs> you should just went over want some spoilers bro <laughs> yeah, yeah you want some spoilers bro i seen it on monday night yeah i don't know don't know how happy he would have been about that <laughs> but yeah interesting take reading the uh book before the movie i'm more of a um yeah you're backwards if i like the movie i like to go back and read the original novel i do that a bit actually you love doing things a bit backwards yeah it's gotta be different just because everyone else does it doesn't mean it's tried and tested to success yeah um so what did you what would you rate killers of the flower moon look i um i don't want to get too carried away here but you've thrown me off giving it a four (laughs) by how poorly you've talked it down I, I'm honest. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it four Indian oil heiresses out of five. I'm glad you went with Indian oil heiresses. I thought you were gonna go somewhere very different with that. <laughs> what do you think I was gonna say? I I don't want to say. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't think of anything else. That's the first thing that came to my head. So I'm just not with it today. <laughs> Quickly, I don't know if this is the time or place. The Iron Claw trailer came out today. Oh my course. god! I cannot wait for that. Did you watch the trailer? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> uh, it was yeah, it was a bit of a fun trailer. I was like, when's all the the grit? No, 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 no. Let me finish. Then I was like, when's all the bleakness going to come in? But then it came in towards the end of the trailer. Yeah, but they 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 still they they only gave you a little little glimmer of that. That's what I mean. They, this is going to lead people into thinking it's a fun wrestling mm-hmm. film, and it's not. Don't take your kids. It's not to going to be at all. Like, yeah, I'm keen as for it. But the tra- like the trail was sick. It was perfect, and I'm glad it didn't give too much away at the end about impending deaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a very funny tweet that someone put out saying, um, "I'm going to be that person in the cinema that after every death jumps up and goes, ah, at least the bad stuff has all happened now, just to like throw people off.'" I was like, "That's yeah, that's funny." Yeah, I, I actually said that. Maybe you retweeted it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it looks fun as hell. When's it meant to be coming out? Uh, so it's a US release date is December 22nd. That's foul. I'm not sure if they'll do that yet. I think it's January for us because yeah, hectic school holidays, not great for that sort of movie. Oh, no way. <laughs> like there'll be very few cinema screens available. So they might, I think they're holding it until January, which sucks. I really want to see it as soon as possible, but yeah, I know. Same. Looks the trailer was good. It looks absolutely fantastic. Very good. Did it justice. It's just going to be on those Zac Efron great. Like, you know, Zac Efron does a, has a, a random role once in every three or four films or shows he does, and it's just groundbreakingly good. You're like, gosh, that's what he can really do. And he is jacked for this movie. Oh, he's jacked. Jacked with an end to his life, Jamie. Him and Jeremy Allen White are huge. They are huge. Oh, Jeremy Allen White. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yeah, okay. Looks good. Yeah, I recently did an interview with a wrestling belt maker here in Australia who made the belts that are being used in that movie, which is pretty cool. 
Cool. That's sick. So yeah, that's Killers of the Flower Moon and a little bit of Iron Claw preview. Thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow me on social media at Media and at Pario Magazine. And you can follow Blake on Twitter at Captain Crumbs with a Z. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps.